Hi, and welcome to Training and Assessment Professional Development's podcast. Really super grateful that you're here. Thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you continue to tune in because we have a lot to offer. Training and Assessment Professional Development is about giving back to the community of trainers and those wanting to enter the industry to become a trainer assessor. Now, it doesn't matter if you're delivering short courses or even accredited training, we'll have something for you. I love to help trainers develop their skills to become leaders in their field. As I said before, we have a lot of content that will inspire you to grow and help you harness your niche. The world of vocational education training can be a minefield. Standards, legislation, and just when you think you've got a handle on it, something changes. Training package, qualification, industry regulations, Well, I'm here to help you demystify and show you some easy tips to stay ahead. Hi, I'm Donna Moulds, your host. And as an entrepreneur, coach, trainer, mentor for over 15 years, I want to share with you some insights that helped me reach a level as a trainer that I never thought was really possible. As a former CEO of my own RTO, Registered Training Organisation, for over 12 years, I have a wealth of experience that I want to share with you. So strap yourself in, grab a pen and a notebook, and let's get started. So hi, look, I felt really compelled to come on and do a podcast and give you some information about how you can adjust in these really uncertain times. So there's a lot going on in the world right now, and it is worldwide, uh, but you have clients. And as a trainer assessor, you will have clients that still rely on your support, especially if they're in the middle of a course and they can't attend classes. Uh, If they're already online, well, that's fantastic because it's business as usual. But I want to give you some ideas around how you can use technology to support your clients. And there's so many different ways that we can utilize technology and we don't have to be this tech whiz because I can tell you with most of the technology that I use I'm self-taught I watch a webinar uh, I go to their help I look at forums I look at how people are doing things that are successful and then I emulate what they're doing to be able to give the best value to my clients Um, starting this podcast was really exciting but I didn't know how to do a podcast so I got myself involved with people who were already doing podcasts had some really good formats and you know whilst mine is improving over time I'm getting better at the content I'm getting better at how I put it together and even putting it with music Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it you know it's not perfect nothing is perfect um, but I'm out there doing it and was really excited because I got a notification a couple of days ago that um, we have had 100 listeners and that's pretty exciting because I thought maybe 10, 15 people might listen to it but no we hit 100 and I actually have two podcasts Uh, one is this one the training and assessment professional development and the other one is the resilience movement um where I'm actually helping people to become more resilient in life. And um, I think we're about 
two listeners off a hundred for that one as well. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, but let's go back to how you can use technology to support your clients and also keep your business progressing. Uh, we all know that there's going to be some businesses who are doing it tough. So I wanted to give you some I guess, tips, insights, um, ideas, maybe just ideas that will help you be able to continue building your client base. So let's look at some of the things. If your clients aren't already doing online learning, that might be an option for them. If they're doing an accredited training program, there's plenty of online formats for that. And um, again, whoever you're training with, the RTO will have their online uh, learning platforms that, you know, students, clients can be enrolled in. Um, but sometimes you might have to tweak your material. So if you, like me, I did and still do a lot of face-to-face training, well, that's going to slow up at the moment because obviously risks around um getting unwell uh, and we want to make sure that our clients are feeling comfortable and if that means they want to go over to online learning well that's great this can be for accredited or non-accredited i recently did an online program for uh, emotional intelligence and it was just a, a kind of a taster for people to start to get a bit of an idea about what emotional intelligence is, why it's important for day-to-day life. And I did this via another format, which is called Zoom. Now, with using Zoom, uh, you can have a lot of interaction. If you're using um, Zoom on a small scale, um, then it's, I think, a free program that you can use, or if you need to have it as a larger scale, then there's a cost involved there. But have a look at that. Zoom will be able to give you the best one for what you need. And I think that's up to 100 people attending. Uh, But Zoom is, I really like Zoom and how it works because you can see people, you can hear people, everybody can interact, the questions can still be asked. So whether you're doing it one-on-one or whether there's 10 people who have um, gone into the Zoom link and are attending that particular training. Now you might do a one hour training session and then you might have time for questions. And again, the same as if you're in a classroom environment, face-to-face environment, everyone can ask questions, but they can also see people. So when you can see and hear people, you have better rapport. And also you can, as the trainer, see if people are getting the concepts or whether they need to be explored further. So take a look at Zoom. And and of course, you can ask me any questions you know, on our Facebook page, Training and Assessment Professional Development, uh, you can post questions and also organize a, a one-on-one with me where we can go over these and I can give you some ideas around how to um, utilize this uh, for what your needs are because all trainers will have different needs. Uh, Skype's been around for a long time. I've also used Skype and again, like Zoom, I think it's a really good form uh platform to use Um, but also you've got things like Facebook live so you could have a private group set up and you could be interacting with them on Facebook 
we have private groups in our Facebook pages and those private groups, if you can imagine you have a group of 10 students who are doing a particular program, just have those people in that one particular group. And that way it's still kept private and confidential information can um, you know, be discussed in that group if it's related to that particular program rather than um, just generally everyone seeing that. Uh, you can you know, upload things utilizing Dropbox. So Dropbox allows you to give people links to information. If you have to send out course material, if you have to send out uh, worksheets for people, assessments, and then you give them a way to be able to upload them securely. So um, I use Dropbox a lot as um, a consultant. I'm using Dropbox from a number of different people. And of course, no one else can see that information. So uh, now with everything, if you're taking things more online, I want to talk to you for a minute about security. So if you're going to have a lot more information online, please be conscious of using secure passwords because there would be nothing worse than someone being able to breach your information because you've used very flimsy passwords. And, you know, people want to remember their passwords. Well, have a password register so that you can have really strong passwords that people are not going to be able to... Um, break into. So just think um, logically about uh, how you need to set things up, how to make it secure and ensuring that um, you can access things easily. Uh, there's different uh, things that people use for passwords. Uh, myself, I have a, a password register. There is no way I could remember all the passwords. Um, but I do make sure that I change my um, master password regularly so that things are secure. Uh, the other thing to think about too is we have to remember from an adult learning perspective, everybody learns differently. So you want to make sure that you're supporting your clients. And when you're taking things online, think about how people are going to feel about that. If people have enrolled in a face-to-face -face program, They've obviously enrolled in that because face-to-face -face works better for them. The interaction, the commitment of coming to class and making sure that they have that support. So when you take people from face-to-face -face learning to online, that can provide a lot of uncertainty. So when you are setting this up, just make sure you're being really open with people about why this is happening. I mean, I'm sure people will understand why right now, but how is this going to work for them? So it can't just work for you as the trainer. It has to work for everybody or you will have people dropping out. Now, it's really important to keep your retention up and making sure that everyone gets what they need. So just have a think about the clients that you have, who's going to be okay with going online and who is maybe going to be a bit concerned about it? What specifically are those concerns? Now, if you think of uh, internet access, someone who may not have uh, consistent internet, may not have um, 
internet at home and unfortunately we do have a perception that everyone has the internet we have a perception that everyone has a laptop or a computer and in my experience that's not the case or they don't have something that's secure enough for them to use or if they think that they can do their online learning on their phone which is terrible for your eyes and you know hands and so forth um it's not the most ideal thing to do. So having a discussion around that, think about people's responses and what kind of solutions you could come up with. Now, people are not going to go to libraries. They're not going to go to public places because they're not going to risk um, illnesses at the moment. So what's another solution? And, you know, they're solutions that you have to come up with. Uh, when I had my training facility, we actually had computer laptops that we would loan out to people who didn't have computers and they had um, Wi-Fi accessibility if someone could uh, use Wi-Fi because they might have a relative that has Wi-Fi uh, or they can tether it to their phone if they know how to. If they don't know how to and you do, then you need to make sure that you have all those bases covered and maybe have a, a frequently asked questions about all the things that you think are going to come up. So look, I hope that's been able to give you some insight about how you can utilize technology to support your clients and ways in which you're going to do that. The next thing I want to talk about is specifically your learning material. So you want to make sure that your resources that you're using, um, handouts, assessments, um, workbooks that can be electronic, whatever it is that you're using in your courses, um, is that suitable for online? It could be a PDF. Now, for me, I have been training for a long time, but when I'm learning, I still like to print stuff out. So can you post things out to people if they require hard copy? Can they collect it from a central place? Um, you know, again, I'm asking these questions for you to go, what will work for my clients right now? And posting information out for those who do need it in hard copy because they like to highlight and they like to write notes on everything. Or those that are very happy with electronic, can you PDF um, some of the documents? Uh, are there things that you only have in hard copy at the moment that you can scan out to your clients? You know, I have a philosophy that where there's a will, there is a way. So what we wanna make sure we do is just find the most flexible alternatives for people to keep them engaged, um, to keep them motivated and make sure that they continue their learning journey, as I call it, in the best possible way. And also making sure if they had connections outside, as many of my clients did, they got together outside, then making sure that they know how to use technology, um, they can then connect outside via different methods, such as on Facebook or Zoom or um, just a, a phone call or texting, whatever it might be, 
Um, of course, you've got to, everybody has to have permission to contact the other person. So you might have to facilitate that in the uh, beginning, uh, but then you then leave that to the clients uh, because then they have that continued support. Um, so when you're putting your material online, um, again, you want to think about security and making sure that it's accessible to everybody. Uh, let's not assume that everyone can access it or knows how to access it because we do come across students who say they can do something or they can use technology, but in fact they can't. They're just concerned about maybe not looking up to date or uh, they don't want to sound silly. And unfortunately that does happen. Um, So you want to make sure that you're asking the right questions. You know, asking someone what their preference is and giving them some examples means that they will choose what their preference is. If I simply ask someone, are you pretty good with technology? They might go, yeah, 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 I'm fine. But what does that really mean? So don't assume that someone who says they're pretty good at technology is the same as someone else who is writing code who says they're pretty good at technology. So ask the right questions about what technology are you comfortable with using? Do you have um, good internet access at home that you can use all the time? Um, Also, and I wrote a blog on this some time ago about um, study habits. Uh, Study habits are really important because not everyone understands how to get into the zone for study. And there was some statistics uh, some time ago that talked about it taking 45 minutes to get into the zone for someone who's just on a starting on a new learning journey. They might not have studied since they left school. So thinking about study tips for people, um, I'll actually upload that into my membership site as well so that you can um, maybe have a read of that blog. But it's just called Study Tips and um, helping people get into a bit of a routine. So if someone's a night person, they might want to study at night time when all is quiet. If they've got children, the children are asleep. Uh, If it's just that they've stopped, it's after work. Other people, um, it would just be a terrible thought to even study at night time because they've worked all day, they've organized the children, and now they're just exhausted and mentally they can't study. But in the morning is a really good time for them because they might get up at 5 6 o'clock and they might have that hour to be able to put in some good study hour hour and a half whatever time that they can manage i always say that if you're going to study first thing in the morning set yourself up for that which is similar if you're going to work out early in the morning have your workout gear ready if you're going to study early in the morning have your study gear ready so have it set up where you're going to work have the computer set up your books out basically you make a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and you sit down and you start to do your study so helping people identify where their zone is um, you can call it a zone of genius you can call it a zone of study whatever you want to call it but there's times where you're really clear-headed motivated and you get a good lot of work done whether it's reading writing assessments whatever it might be 
So thinking about all of these tips, maybe set yourself up an action plan of what you can put in place, who you would need to contact, and what's the best questions you can ask to get an idea of what needs your client has. Um, This is if you're a qualified trainer assessor, you have to think about your assessments and so forth. So there might need to be some strategies around that, which I'm sure you're working with your RTO um, to come up with the best best plan for that. Um, so again, let me just recap about what technology you want to use. So um, have a look at what's available and how you can use it. If you're not sure how to use it, make sure you're going to the help or the forums uh, to be able to guide you or pop some questions into face into the Facebook, which is Training and Assessment Professional Development. I'd be more than happy to, to guide you with that. And um, also, uh, if there's some technology that your RTO or employer is implementing, maybe they might do an online training session for that because just a brief hours training session can be all the difference to you being successful with using that technology. So I hope that was helpful. And until next time, um, keep having fun with your training and continue. This is a really good time for professional development. So think about your skills gaps and utilize this downtime if you have it um, well because uh, the rush will come back and, you know, this too shall pass and we will come out the other end uh, stronger, smarter and probably using more technology than we did before we started this journey. Okay, thanks for now and thanks for tuning in to Training and Assessment Professional Development. I really appreciate it.